0: There's a song that we often sing when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. And we sing it with gusto. We sing it with heart. We sing it with meaning. The question is, what happens when the roll is called down here? How do we respond? Thinking about what the writer is saying and, and who he's writing to, Thinking about scriptures and who they're written to. Thinking about the creation of the world and for what purpose it was created. Who created it. Who so loved man that he gave his only begotten son to die for us. And the life that is expected of us as we live here. We live in a time when we take a lot of things for granted. Talked a little bit this morning about taking our freedom as Americans for granted. The rights and privileges that are ours was not wanting to consider the responsibilities and the obligations that go along with it. Thinking about the role being called up yonder or the role being called down here, a little bit about what is involved in that. What's involved in the... There being a role or there being a a list of names that reflect to whom you have an allegiance to. We do that here in the world in which we live. We have birth certificates to say to whom we're born and that we're American citizens. We have driver's license to say that we are licensed to drive in a particular state and honored in other states. If we choose to travel, we're given a passport which says that we're citizens of the United States. But there are obligations that go along with it. I have a passport. has my name and my picture in it a few years ago. But I would not want to travel with this passport. You know why? It's expired. I have not kept up with the requirements to have a valid passport. I would not want to be out of the country with this passport and then try to get back into this country. You have certain requirements that are necessary to be met. There are individuals who have passports like this that are in foreign countries that more than likely will never set their foot in the United States again because they have violated some laws. And even there, even though their name is recorded in a roll, a passport. It's no longer valid or no longer honored because they had not kept up with the requirements that are set forth for having a valid passport. We have a spiritual role, names recorded in heaven, and there is an expectation that we live a certain type of life for that to be honored we're reminded in Revelation 3 and verse 5 that those who would be faithful to God would not have their names blotted out of the book of life, which has a connotation of meaning that they had done something that had violated the conditions of their names being recorded in that Lamb's book of life. Because of that violation, They're no longer honored to be received into heaven. We can carry the passport, we can carry the name of Christian, but we're not honoring the conditions that were set forth for the receiving of that title, that designation, that relationship of being a child of the living God. Through the repentance of our sins, the confession that Jesus is the Lord, the obedience to the Christ and baptism for the remission of sins, raised to walk that new life, but then to live a life, as the scriptures remind us time and time again, of being worthy of that name that we wear. The problem existed in the first century. The problem really existed back in the Garden of Eden. God created Adam and Eve, created a perfect world, set his order down of what he wanted done and how he wanted it done. And so the first two chapters of Genesis are positive statements being made about this creative world, the command given to Adam and Eve. But then in chapter 3, we see the breaking of that command that God had given by the listening to another voice, the voice of Satan. And Adam and Eve losing that relationship with God. You see it in chapter 4. Cain and Abel, offering a sacrifice unto God, one was accepted and another was not. Cain was told if he did what was right, he would be accepted. But he chose not to do what was right, even though he had been created in the image of God. You read the Old Testament. Basically, that's all you read, is it not? God reminding his people of a covenant that he has made with them, and one that they had failed to keep. We think about the losing of eternal life, Oftentimes, I believe, based upon our committing some horrible sin, some huge transaction or transgression, the rebellion against God outright, and we fail to learn from the scriptures that have been given for our instruction and for our learning that that's not it at all. You can look back and see what may appear to be, in our eyes, those minor transgressions. Leviticus 10, Nadab and Abihu. The offering of the strange fire that God had not commanded. They were worshiping God. They had the sacrifice. But they did not have the right fire that God had commanded. What difference did it make? Nadab and Abihu found out. And in that transgression, it's interesting to note as well that Aaron was told not to sorrow for the loss of his sons because Aaron stood as a priest before God and Nadab and Abihu had violated the will of God. The names were recorded as God's people. But that that did not mean that they would enter into that promised land as would be true for the other 650,000 plus who would not enter. Not because the names were not in that roll book that listed, that given. Because they chose not to trust God. They did not enter that promised land. That's the physical application. The spiritual one is this is real. We left a world of sin to become a child of the living God. We promised when we made that decision that we would be His people That we would do the things, all those things that had been commanded of us. Matthew 28 and in verse 20. You teach them to observe what? All things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always until the end of the ages. But it's the keeping of all things. It's not a... Set record, if you will, that you can check off little marks. I've done this, 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 and this. Because the first and the foremost of all of that was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the second is like unto it, to love your neighbor as yourself. But to forget that just because a name is recorded, again, take time to read. Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3. These were names that were recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life. But he told them I, time and time again, unless you repent, unless you turn from what you're doing, your name will be blotted out. We love that thought of the name being recorded in that Lamb's Book of Life. When that roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. There is a truth to that and there is another reality to that as well. When that roll is called up yonder, we'll all be there. But all will not receive that well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master. It's what you've done down here that's going to make a difference. Paul began that glorious book of, well, I said Paul. We don't know who the author of Hebrews was. Uh, Some think it's Paul, or we just say the writer of Hebrews began that tremendous book of his. Again, writing to Christians, trying to remind them, you have forgotten this relationship that you have with God. Even Israel of old, as they were about to, or as they had entered into that promised land, had forgotten. Joshua, when he begins to close out his life, would have to remind the people to choose you this day whom you will serve. Will it be the Lord or the gods of your fathers beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell? And they say, far be it from us to not serve God. And as you read the end of Joshua, down around verse 14, 15 and following, you need to listen carefully to what's being written there. The people are saying, we will serve the Lord. And Joshua says, you have just made a covenant yourself with God. You have promised that you will serve the Lord. And let me tell you what he's asking of you. They said, oh, we're, we're serving. He said, you do not understand what you've said. He's a jealous God. He expects your obedience to him and will not tolerate disobedience. That has not changed. When you became a child of God, you made a covenant with God. I have forsaken all. And I am willing to deny myself. And I'm willing to take up that cross daily and to follow you, Lord. And the Lord is saying, you have thus said. Now that you said it, do it. Live for him. The Hebrew writer, as he's writing, as we was read, do not forsake the assembling of yourself together as is the habit of some. There's already a habit that some had of not meeting with saints. You made an agreement. This is not just an assembly of saints. This is the house of the living God. And you are living members of that house. You made an agreement that you would deny yourself and you would take up that cross and you would follow him. When the role is called down here, what will you do? How do we live our lives? Going back to the beginning of Hebrews. God, who at various times and various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, Who, being in the brightness of his glory in the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins and sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He purged our sins. And how do we respond when the role is called down here? And the role here is, didn't bring it with me, but the role here is not the church directory that we have. That's not the role. The role is your name being written in that Lamb's book of life. And when that role is called, when saints gather together, how do you respond? What is the commitment? What is the sacrifice? All kinds of things are out there, all kinds of reasons that one may not be able to attend. But it's not just the assembling of ourselves together as is the habit of some. But it's this commitment that we've made to God along the way. You go into the second chapter of Hebrews. Therefore, in verse 1, Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard. Why? Why do we need to pay attention to the things that are written in the pages of God's Word, telling you who you are, where you are in the body, And whose body that you're in, and the life that you are to be living, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proves steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience receives a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation which at first began to be spoken by the Lord? and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also bearing witness, both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. Read Revelation 2 and 3 again. Start with 2. Read how the church in Ephesus had left its what? First love. They were doing things that were right. They hated the things that were evil. But they had left their first love. The love of what God has done for them. The love of what Christ has done for them. The love that they had been given and the provisions that God was given to them and told they needed to repent and do their first loves once again. We're here. It's easy for us to forget what it is that God has done for us. And we're reminded, part of the reason why we gather together is to do just that. He says, to provoke one another, King James, to provoke one another to love and good works. And you've heard me say before, to provoke somebody, you have to know them. It's one of the few places where the word provoke is used in a good sense. You're to stir up, to provoke one another, encourage one another, stimulate one another, challenge one another to love. Love one another as Christ has so loved us. And to do good works. being that child of God, being that light in the world, doing the things that would bring pleasing or be pleasing in the eyes of the living God. Go over to chapter 3 of Hebrews, down to verse 12. Beware, brethren. Again, he's writing to Christians. He's reminding Christians, you are on the verge of leaving Christ to be shackled by laws and commandments that are passed away and no longer valid. You're being tempted to go back unto Judaism. And so he's writing to them, Brethren, beware lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But again, he's writing to Christians, saying, Some of you are about to depart from the living God. And again, he's told us already in the reading. That's because some of you have already begun to abandon the meeting of yourselves together. You've already forsaken the encouragement that you can gather and the encouragement that you can give to one another by that gathering of yourselves together. You let the things of the world, the possible persecution here, For the things of this world promise you without a doubt there are a thousand and one things that could be done at this particular time or at any particular time that the Lord's people gather together. Kind of goes along with what we're discussing on the Wednesday night, that domino effect. Every decision you make has a bearing on the next decision that you make. And it's being recorded here in the Hebrew letter. You've made some decisions and they are beginning, the dominoes are beginning to fall. And if you do not change that domino effect, you are going to depart from the living God and your name will, not, will be blotted out of the Lamb's book of life. And it all starts with that one seemingly insignificant decision that we make, and a life that we live. Not doing something that needs to be done. Not doing what we know we ought to be doing. And before you know it, what he's discussing here has its effect. But exhort one another daily, while it is still called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if, there's that condition, we are partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast until the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion. He gave you Israel of old and their rebellion against God. They hardened their heart. As you read, that's been again written for our instruction, for our learning. You look at 1 Corinthians 10. It says, listen, Israel of old, here's an example of do not do as they did. They were God's people. Their names were on a roll. It seems to be that because their names were on a roll, because they had been led out of the land of Egypt by the hand of God, they felt that they were free to do what they wanted to do. And they did just that. They complained, they murmured, they rebelled, and that had its effect as well. They lost their lives. They died in the wilderness without ever seeing that promised land. This is written for us. The same thing can happen. We can harden our heart as they did in the rebellion. And that hardening process is not overnight. It's not overnight in the physical heart when the heart begins to harden up for our problems that are there. But over a period of time, if not corrected, if not changed, will bring about what? Bring about death name is true spiritually the spiritual heart that's being hardened if not changed that's what the writer is saying to these Christians if you do not change the direction that you're going if you do not change the life that you're living if you do not change the mind if you do not change the heart you're leading to spiritual death which is eternal irreversible And unchangeable. Separation from God. So while it is today, I exhort one another to do His will. Over in chapter 4 and verse 15. Verse 14 says, We have a high priest, a great high priest, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast. Let us hold firm our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may receive, obtain mercy, and find grace to help in a time of need. The change needs to be made that we can boldly come to that throne of grace. Understand what we have. Understand Jesus understood temptation. He was tempted as we are, yet did not sin. There are so many things that tempt us to make a separation between us and the people of God. And they seem so harmless in their appeal. But every temptation has a false front to it. Does not reveal the reality of the end result. Happened in Genesis three. Happened in Genesis four. Happened in Leviticus ten. Joshua 24, and on and on the list can go. The temptation is always there. The temptation believe believing because things are going fairly well. Israel of old, again, even when told they would not enter the promised land, still were fed by God, still received the water that God provided, still had shoes that did not wear out clothes that did not wear out they were still provided for and yet that whole generation except Joshua and Caleb would die outside that promised land written for us is there not a lesson there for us is there not something there that we can gain from look at the heart the spiritual heart Is it where God would want it to be? Are we doing the things that would be pleasing in the eyes of God? Let us hold fast that confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. We made a confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Savior of the world. We made a confession that Jesus is our Savior. He died for our sins. And we've denied ourselves. Buried with Christ in a watery grave of baptism, raised to walk this new life, this new creation in Christ Jesus. Therefore, walk that light. Walk that life. Do those things that would be pleasing to Him. that we can indeed be those who could and who desire and who live for to hearing the name called when the role is called up yonder. But how are you living here when the role is called here? How are you living your life for Christ right now? Is it a life that would be reflective of who indeed God truly is? Now we do believe and we do take him at his word. Out of my bondage, sorrow and sin, Jesus I come. Jesus, I come. That's that your heart's desire? Is that your prayer to God? Is that your life that you're desiring to live? That you're going to leave all behind and his disciple ever be. You need to make that change in your life. If we could assist you, if we could help you in any way, then indeed we do bid you to come as together we stand and sing.